0: Go Loud presents the Lennon-Courtney podcast. I'm Sonia Lennon.
1: And I'm Brendan. And you're listening to the Lennon-Courtney podcast. I
0: got you something, Brendan. A
1: gift? Oh goody, what is it?
0: It's a 90 metre roll of catering strength kitchen foil, of course, to mark our 10th anniversary of Lennon-Courtney, the clothing line. Anyway,
1: in this week's episode, we're looking at how to keep a long-term relationship going.
0: It can't be sunshine and tinfoil all the time. So how do you get through the downs and celebrate the ups of a long-term relationship?
1: This is the Thinking Woman's Guide to Long-Term
0: Relationships. It's the 10-year anniversary of Len and Courtney, the clothing brand. But for those that are really paying attention, it's the 14-year anniversary of our relationship.
1: Because we started
0: off the rails. 2008.
1: Or 7. We signed our contracts. Really. Was it? Yeah. So it's 15 years. Oh, gee, Mac.
0: Do you remember anniversaries? Well, funny you should ask me that. I was completely rubbish, always, at remembering my anniversary. And I want to give Dave. this
1: context to the viewers and the listeners. How long are you with your partner, Dave?
0: 28 years. <laughs> 28
1: years. We're going to get into the secret of that long uh-huh. soon enough. Uh-huh.
0: So, yeah, so I never remembered. Um, and then I put it in my... Calendar, <laughs> and all of a sudden I did remember um, but it took me years to figure that out so basically uh, then our friends our really good friends Kyle and Stuart got married on the same day that we met and because we never got married the day we met is our anniversary so um, on the same date as opposed to the same day. Um, so their wedding anniversary is also our anniversary. So Kyla, very kindly, before I figured out that I could put it in my repeat <laughs> calendar, would always say, by the way, it's your anniversary next week. So it was nice to have that little prompt. Um, Did you meet na- their wedding? No, no. It was the same date, oh, okay. not the same day. So okay. we, we preceded them in terms of the length of our relationship, but they married on the same date that we met. Well,
1: that was convenient. So,
0: yeah, it was. Um, so, and funny enough, To celebrate our (laughs) very important 28th anniversary I've decided that we're going to make a big deal out of it. I don't know why. It just kind of feels like
1: 28 was one of my favourite years. Was it? Yeah I remember being 28 and saying we're like this. I think I was earning okay money as well. I'd come out of broke land Mm. and into okay land. Mm. I didn't own anywhere to live or anything but I Mm. was I could I could make decisions. You felt like you were
0: above head above water.
1: I could make decisions yeah.
0: I think it's about I think it's post-Covid I think it's A new phase. Like the kids have gone into sixth year. They're, you know, they're nearly adults. It it kind of feels like we should now kind of reclaim. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. So, and you know, our very good friend, Esther Perel, says that she's had three marriages during the course of one relationship. And I totally get that. Because the first 10 years of our relationship was pure hedonism, Fun, 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 fun. Double down on fun. Have the best time ever, and then, then I li- I got pregnant. We had our, we had the twins in our eleventh year, and then that became another thing, and a very very different kind of personality of a relationship when you're raising kids. Because I mean, not to call a spade a spade, but it is logistics, and it's getting through it, and it's making sure that shit is done, and there's very little you know, fluff time left to indulge yourself. And now I kind of feel like, okay, it's time.
1: Your calendar's opening up.
0: My calendar's opening up. She's
1: like an orchid. So before we dive into talking all about ourselves with this entire episode, uh, (laughs) what is the secret to a 28-year relationship? Is it the fact that you're not married? I think that's controversial.
0: Part of it. I think that's part of it. And I want, as we've discussed before, I wanted to get married in the beginning. Um, and Dave absolutely didn't. And I had to capitulate to that. Like I I had no choice. He didn't want to get married more than I did want to get married. And so I had to kind of take that one. Um, But I think, uh, I think part of it is about having our own identity and lives outside of the relationship. That's a big part of it for me. That you are not so interwoven and dependent on somebody that you as a single entity cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. However, I also think it's important that there are points at which you can come together and agree that there are common interests. Because if you don't have that, well, what's the point?
1: So I think on, on top of that is an ability to compromise. I think that's really important. Again, as you said, he wanted to not get married more than you wanted to. That is literally the definition of Compromise. Compromise, right? And I have. Well,
0: that's capitulation.
1: Well, it feels like capitulation, but it's actually compromise.
0: Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. <laughs> um, I actually think more than compromise, and though c- compromise is really important, I think it all boils down to expectation. And, you know, I, uh, years and years and years ago, I said at an awards ceremony that I, you know, you can't get everything you want from one person. That's why I have two husbands. Dave and you, right? And I think there's a bit of that that you. I think we sometimes expect everything from one person.
1: Well, we grew up with that. That's what we our well, parents it's told us. The myth. It's the myth. Yeah.
0: That you. you the Cinderella myth. Yeah. That you will be. This person will make you secure. You'll be. You know, sexually attracted to them. You'll know uh, what
1: they're thinking. You'll
0: know what they're thinking. You're on the same page at every given moment. You'll grow old together. Rubbish. Rubbish. It is rubbish. Yeah. You know? And I think um, it's also accepting um, that. It's going to be really shit time. You yeah. know, that's going to happen anyway.
1: I, I thought also for me, I, I was thinking about this episode. For me, the day I recognized and accepted, you can never fully know what someone's thinking. You can have a guess, but you can never tell what people are thinking, right? And that is a really, that releases you from so many things where you're trying to, are you okay? Are you in a bad mood? You, I don't give a shit. I'm, I, can't, I can't read your mind.
0: Well, the, the other piece of that is that I, I was thinking about this the other day, this idea that the concept of personality, I don't know if I was saying to you, could be swapped out for personal narrative. So your personal narrative at any given time uh, basically defines your personality at every, every, any given moment. So I'll give you an example. Well, hang on, let's
1: go. Where this comes from is, I text on you going, what's that book about limitations that you love? The book is called?
0: Uh, the illusion of limitations and it's actually an audible book which is a series of lectures
1: I, by Guy uh, Finley Guy Finley it's absolutely Next level mind blowing. That,
0: it, it'll be in our newsletter which you should subscribe to you as well. Very good. Thank oh, yeah. you, Esther. I you're welcome. That was wonderful. wonderful Thank
1: you. You're welcome. I listened to it uh, while I was away and I have scribbled loads of notes. I have the seven illusions and one of them is that you think you can change someone or you think you can predict what somebody's thinking or tell what somebody's thinking. That's an illusion. But that feeds into what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So so, so basically, I'll give you an example. Somebody um, in my wider circle had, had an engagement with somebody who who was really difficult. Like, really um, confrontational, very angry um, and, and just really, really making life difficult. Um, and this person had been a fanatical runner and had given it up. It had, it had taken over his life and he said, OK, I'm, I'm going to give up now.
1: Because he became obsessed with it, maybe?
0: Ah, he, whatever. He fell, he fell off the wagon, yeah. g- gave it up. Um, and then obviously somebody, I'd say, had an intervention with him and said, you need to start running again. And the minute he started running again and and finding his flow, all of that negativity, confrontation, the anger, dissipated. And he became, you know, who he was at his core, you know, fueled by this thing that made him happy. And so, that's the same person who displayed different personalities based on responses to his environment, which created his narrative. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So, so, and and I guess for me, like I feel like I'm, I'm in a different mindset now um, than I was five years ago. Look, we all are, but it's 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 understanding that your mindset and your approach to something actually creates your reality and your outcome. Mm. And your dun, outcome done done. But this book
1: anyway, just slight sidebar. The book goes into basically that. Everything is an illusion created by your perspective of the world, right? So we are all seeing different things. and see, So, for example, in a very light-touch way, if somebody walks by and doesn't look up and ignores you, their, their moment is a completely different moment to your moment. And you're thinking, that person just ignored me. Oh, my God, what did I do? Did I say something wrong? And you got you internalise it. And then that narrative becomes who you could possibly be Turn out to be at the end of the day paranoid, self fulfilling. Yeah. Whereas the person could have just gotten bad news, or yep. could be blind, or yeah, you know, or could whatever. Yep. So actually, really, it's that, and I think that's the key: is to go. So if I encounter Adam being in being quiet or in a, a mood, I now don't even ask. I just, mm. oh, that's your thing. You just, you do you. I'll do. I'll get on with what I'm doing. And my mum used to do it on my dad, but in a kind of a more manipulative way. Basically, that's what she was doing. If dad was in a mood, she would just completely ignore him. And what she was doing was just self preservation away yeah, from yeah. that, going, I can not what? Well, if I try and go, What's wrong? Oh, I'm not used to microphones, sorry. <laughs> if, if what you know, if you try and go, What's wrong? You, you create a new narrative, but it's
0: also timing, right? So if somebody's really in a bad way, um, you know, in, in, a, in a bad mood or whatever, or angry, or blah, 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 you know, that's a full cup, you can't intercept that and make a difference. You need to let them let them do a bit of figuring simmer out down now. simmer down yeah. now yeah. and then come back and say that was really unpleasant for me actually because you were re- really in a bad mood yeah. and blah, 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 whatever and that has an impact on me and i have to live with you and get your shit together and all that kind of stuff but it's it's timing it's knowing when to have those conversations and it's certainly not you know in that kind of height of of passion whether it's negative or positive
1: another big piece of advice do you want to take a break Without a shadow of a doubt, if you look at the ratio or the rate of divorce, right? Mm. If you look at the level of, you know, the, what we would understand. Again, we don't know the stats on this, but families that fall apart for whatever reason, right? People, dad, whatever it is. Mm. There are, uh, in my, just thinking about families that I know, Certainly in the UK anyway, there are more families that are broken and don't like each other than there are families that I know that are together. And, if, and maybe London does attract a runaway, like me and other people who've run away from their families anyway, yeah. or they've emigrated from their home life. Um, but it got me really thinking about that we put this pressure on ourselves to deliver for our families, particularly women and their mothers, I've noticed. And that's just my experience. To now take over when the mother gets older, to now deliver when the mother didn't deliver. Do you know what I mean? The mother dropped them off at every turn, got rid of them. You know, it's just like and because she had no choices as well. So the like you have to understand where she was coming from. Well,
0: I think that's it, isn't it? Because you're back to that idea where your personality is just an extension of your narrative. So what yeah. is your narrative? What is your level of forgiveness and I think that's at the core because again if you're going to accept
1: that oh, you have to forgive that's primary but then you after forgiveness comes boundaries
0: yeah
1: after forgiveness goes right this is all in the past but now this is how it's going to be from my perspective yeah. and, and yes
0: for I, us to thrive
1: for us to th- well, for us to survive survive no, no more thriving <laughs> but for us to survive there's a boundary here now and it's I'm fascinated by it and if, I'm actually more fa fasc- I'm so fascinated by it I want to study it more because I think I no, actually, they're masters but I think the lack of boundaries in all of our relationships is the problem with all of our relationships
0: well I think I think it's a combination it's a cocktail of lack of boundaries and high expectations and yes. an instant mm-hmm. gratification so we've, we live in a world that where bit. if you want it you want it now someone write that down at home and send it back to me on a public <laughs>
1: But well, it's also instant gratification, a massive problem. So another, another massive limitation, right, to existing is that you believe that the easing of pain through gratification is your present value and mm-hmm. it isn't your present. It isn't. It actually, you're just easing pain with gratification. You're not living in the present properly. So that's really hard to do as well. You're like, well, okay, how do I live in the present properly? Through meditation, through walks, through time out, through listening to your body, listening to yourself, which all sounds then, when I was, when I was reading the book, it sounds very, 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 about all about the self, it's very self-indulgent. But unless you put your, your seatbelt on first or your oxygen mask on first, you're no good to anybody because yeah. you just flay from anger to frustration to non-delivery to anger to frustration to non-delivery to accusation. Whereas if you go, hang on, and just go, Let me, give, me, give me this corner for five. Let me clear my head. Now, what do we do? Mm-hmm. How can I help? I can't help with that. I can't help with that. And that's just a different level of existence, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And I was I was listening to a guided meditation recently where where the woman was extending on what Guy Finley was saying about um this this piece around the image the image the 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 sort of uh, composite picture at the center of your brain about who you are is really just a kind of an illusion that you create for yourself. But she was saying that you know everybody's talking about um, oh you know do what you can to eradicate the narrative that's negative in your head and the, the the really kind of destructive stories that we we tell ourselves about ourselves she was saying that the positive story is just as much of a creation of our own minds as the negative story and that they're two sides of the same coin so um you you, you the the negative the negative internal accusations are based on our positive expectations of ourselves so it's actually as important to clear the the positive positive as it is the negative which is really mind blowing so
1: let me simplify it even further right and this is really interesting I realised that I inherited my mother's fears particularly of cats of the dark terrified of cats terrified of the dark and of water in counties outside Dublin okay hang
0: on a second of water outside (laughs) Dublin. Dublin. Was, fine. water
1: fine. Oh, clear, tap water. Wasn't clean. Gosh, it's
0: probably 10 million times cleaner. But
1: this was the thing we learned growing up, but particularly the dark, right? And deep water, sorry, and deep water. I dumped into deep water for the first time in my life three years ago, before COVID, with Declan Buckley in Greece. And, and he, nobody told me that you would float in salt water. I never knew that. You float in salt water. So I realised, all oh, my fears, stupid top level, easy to identify fears. And that's just them were inherited. They were not my fears. Mm. So I was like, hang on a second, let's go a step further then. What else have I learned that's not true about me? I, the lid has just come off of the soulmate, but what I have learned is that I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: knew that from the very beginning. Yeah. We knew that. So there's, anyway, So I I thought what would be really interesting is to take a little flick back through the camera roll of our lives together and pull out, I think it's chapter one, because I think there's a lot more to go after this, of some highlight nights that were kind of pivotal for us. Um, I'm sorry, you weren't there. You weren't available to me. So I pulled this photograph. um, And just for those of you listening to the podcast, it is a a photograph of Brendan with a big happy smile on his face, uh, holding a snooker cue. yeah, And then another one of him... uh, Dancing, caught mid-gurn, very, very attractive man that he is. But I think what's important about this is what this night signified, where it was and what we were doing.
1: So this is the very first shoot we did together on Off the rails, probably 2008. And we were in Yall doing the reveal. And we, we went to a local pub with the crew and the director and the producer. And we got a little
0: bit drunk. But we ended up in a lock-in.
1: We ended up in a lock-in and we had the best crack ever. And that's me jumping around, messing, having the crack. But it was the first time we had let our hair down together and we were completely aligned.
0: (laughs) We we found a common purpose, which was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And the next morning... We had to record. We had to record and it wasn't pretty. I'm pretty sure I slurred on the first piece (laughs) to camera I ever did. (laughs) Take
1: two. That was... uh, be with the youth when you could literally your skin would just bounce back in the morning. As cover, I said today, cover the cover other day,
0: it takes my face about three hours longer to wake up than my body at this stage.
1: Me, too. Me, too. I look like I've been attacked every morning, but that's okay. This is your 40th birthday, yes, it is. So, the next big rave we had was that dis, no, this December, yeah, it was. That so, we,
0: we started recording it's in the summer, July, yeah. In September, we did Off the Rails live, which is extraordinary. If you think about it, yeah, yeah two and a half thousand people in Simmons Court, um, and then December was my fortieth birthday,
1: and that was brilliant because you basically put had a huge you put a marquee out the back of your lovely house and had about two hundred people. I think was it? Yeah, it was
0: amazing. And I remember all the the gays walked in, and the marquee at the back was all lit, and there was a DJ, and there was a cocktail bar, and uh, <laughs> I just remember hearing one of them saying. Oh my God, Sonia's house is amazing. As if, as if the marquee, the cocktail bar and the dance floor were always there.
1: <laughs> but Sonia is wearing a very fetching hat that
0: I bought. Oh, tell that story. It's so cute.
1: I, we had been on a shoot in the in secondhand vintage store and Sonia admired this hat which is a black sort of uh, neat pillbox hat um, with a uh, uh, A moon-shaped
0: okay. mesh of bronze surrounded by diamante.
1: Covering half her face and that coming from the top of the hat to the, all the way around to the back of her ear. And you can see that photograph, we'll put them up online. But I went back after she admired, I bought the hat for her 40th. And she w- looked at the, prob- the um, where the hat came from and it was a New York milliner. Yeah. We got in touch with him.
0: Yeah, I found him and I messaged him and I said, I just want you to know that this hat has landed uh, in Dublin and I wore it for my 40th birthday and he got back to me and he said, I remember the collection that that hat was in in the early 80s and I sent down a load of black models topless down the runway um, at New York Fashion Week and that hat was on the runway at the time. And it was just so Gorgeous, it was like the perfect gift.
1: Yeah, it was. I was delighted. I, was, I thought you didn't like it actually. Why am I wearing a tie? What was, was it black tie? Your 40th? Um I think you decided it was. Oh, okay,
0: there you go. There's <laughs> <laughs> also that we can see the marquee in the background. That is very snazzy. It yeah. is. It's got swags. A yeah, oh, and it's my favorite fun. thing about that party, right? I had a lot of favorite things, but one of my favorite things about that party was that the cocktail, the mixologist that I had was so good, right? That what he'd do is you'd go up and you'd order. It wasn't, you can have this cocktail. Mm-hmm. You can have whatever cocktail you want. Um, you go up and you'd order your cocktail and then he'd save enough in the bottom of the cocktail shaker from the order that he'd done. To give enough shot glasses of that cocktail to the people who were queuing behind the person who got the drink. So everybody got to taste other people's cocktails and it was so smart. That's why my wheels came off. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. Okay, what's the next one? can't even remember. Surprise. Oh. Oh. That's oh. us dressed as <laughs> security guards. <laughs> awesome. This
1: is really stupid now, but cute. I always liked that picture of the two of us. I thought you looked like Kylie in that picture. Aww. We had police hats on and we were the fashion police. That's remember? right. And it was a kind of a wry <laughs> eye, a joke. But it was, it was a photo shoot for... Off the rails, I, I think. think so um and we always we, we did a lot of photo shoots I we remember. did a lot of it. we were always turning up being photographed, and uh, so we were always trying to come up new day new things um, but I remember the last photo shoot we did for the very last episode was was we wrapped our heads in bandages because we had a new look, we oh. pretended we got plastic surgery, which of course we didn't
0: we are so subtle yeah, so subtle, I think that was taken in um at that Dublin Contemporary exhibition, wasn't it? you remember we did a whole big shoot um, at Dublin Contemporary, which was, God knows how many years ago. It was obviously.
1: So anyway, back to the secret of our longevity. Yes. And we've talked about this many times.
0: And we might go to the next photo as well.
1: Yeah. It's, I think it's trust. I do too. I think it's, you know, the other person's got your back. They're never going to throw you under a bus. That's at Niall and Nigel's wedding. And I, oh my God, I have a cigarette in my hand. Ugh. That's my lovely wife. You look amazing. The friend of ours got married in London and we went over to the wedding. You, you and your partner, I was single at the time. I rolled up my trousers and wore seven eights, and people were pointing at me in the street. Do you remember? Yeah. All the Irish people were like, what is going on with your turned-up trousers? And I was like, shut up. That's nice. You know, what's happening? And it was around the time I think we'd seen it for the first time. Yeah. And ever since then, and then I stopped wearing socks and rolled my trousers up. And I, I've, st- I've just stopped doing that because... People harassed me in airports for having me travel. Still? Still. Well, not so much now because I wear socks a lot more. But that, I got known as the guy with, there's a few people who've watched off the rails would know, maybe he never wore any socks and he used to drive people crazy.
0: I think the moral of the story here is that fun is the cement, right? There's, there's no point. If it's not fun, there's no point. And we've had some amazing nights out. Um, and I think it's really important that we bring people with us too experience the fullness of our craziness.
1: Oh That's when we, the night we did the restaurant for TV3 or Virgin Media. It? Yeah. That's Adam. Ridiculously handsome and ridiculously pretty. That's
0: my sister <laughs> yeah, Ash. Ash.
1: And the four of us at a we, we did the restaurant together and that was an interesting one as a part of our relationship. Sonia is a really into cooking as we know mm-hmm. and I'm not. I mean I kind of do it now. In fact I did prawn saganaki last night. So it was very nice. <laughs> what did you um,
0: call me? <laughs> <and> <laughs> How dare you.
1: I knew you've been asked to do Celebrity master Chef every year, but it's like a three-week gig, and you yeah. didn't the, we didn't have the time because we were too busy. And then we got asked to do the restaurant, and when the production company really nicely called me and said, would you sign you do a two-hand or the restaurant? I was like, oh, we wouldn't have the time. They were like, it's only one long day and a meeting, and like a long day, like it's like seven in the morning until after midnight. And I was like, yeah, we could do one day, and then we, you really enjoyed the process, didn't you?
0: I, lo- I was terrified because it actually mattered to me you know, whereas Brendan was like, ah, we do it, it'd be grand. Mm. Dave went mental. Did he? I don't think he'd say it. Dave went crazy. Like, he couldn't, he was like, big mistake, big mistake. You shouldn't take something you love and, and make it competitive like that. I'm like, oh, chill out. And uh, we did it. And we got uh, four and a f- half. Four stars with the fuck up. Go yeah. Four and a half
1: stars. Got four and a half. Did we? Yeah. We did really well. Didn't we?
0: That with a floppy uh, souffle. So I think, yeah, we did. If we, if we hadn't had a, a souffle flop, we'd have been five stars. Yeah, mm. even though it was delicious. Yeah.
1: But uh, for me, I, I, there we are. Oh, look <laughs> Fuck. Um, uh, we, I, I hate cooking. I, I worked in restaurants. Sonia's never worked in a kitchen. I knew, well, I've been a KP in loads of different places over the years on and off. I know the pressure of a kitchen and I knew that they would heighten it up for drama and I knew, I, I'm sure I've, every week at the, there was one in England that was huge where people sat out and commented on the celebrity cooking in the kitchen I can't remember what it was it was massive I went to that loads of times and I could see them screaming in the kitchen whoever it was Marco Pierre or Gordon Ramsay or whatever so I knew that there would be drama obviously because I work in television and I just and they unplugged our fridge for and Sonia's dessert they were like <gasps> everything's ruined everything's ruined and, everything's I, ruined. and said, what are you going to do the, 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 you know, the, on the camera I was like I don't care I don't work here <laughs> I, was, I was like no and but well, there was
0: a moment was there was a leave. moment where he was going to leave he's like this is absolute bullshit I'm not staying here and I had to pull him into the meat fridge and say okay it's just good. shut up get your shit together we're but, keeping going
1: but and maybe you never realized. I agreed to do this for you Oh. I, I wasn't interested in it at all. I thought, okay, you, and you were like, "Oh yes." That's fun. And then we were in New York with my our friend Paul, and he's really interested. So he was helping design the menu and yeah. everything. So yeah. Ah, oh,
0: brand. Yeah. So oh, Brent. Such a good guy. I, I just,
1: every minute of everybody did it for you. a
0: nice man. Oh,
1: there we are in, in Hong Kong, and there we are in New York.
0: So we went to Hong Kong um, on a buying trip, and we had the legs walked off us <laughs> as a kind of a hazing into a buying trip. And when we had finished walking for nine hours around the trim market in Hong Kong, Brendan sat down on a bench, right? It was, and, and every stall was basically the same thing. Brendan sat down nine hours. I am not joking you. I haven't gotten off a long-haul flight, by the way. No, straight was- in a car, straight to the market, you know, bam, bam, bam. And we, we were told your driver's here now, finally, eventually. What are bullshit. Anyway, we sat down on a bench and just as, just as my... hit the bench I spotted something in another stall that we hadn't seen already and I got up to go towards it and Brendan just shouted Sit down!
1: The other thing is what that we have done is travel a lot together and yeah. we really enjoy travel. Oh,
0: we're really good travel buddies!
1: Because we, we, we sit on the plane, right, and we press play at the same time. So we, well, we pick
0: movie. our viewing, right? Sit beside each other, pick our viewing. What do you want to watch? Yeah, we watch that. Okay, well, fine. And we get our little drinky and we sit down and it's like three, two, two one, go! go. <laughs> we, we watch simultaneously. We go
1: to the toilet, we stop the two of them. Oh, <laughs> so we watch the movie together. We obviously do that. Like someone.
0: a pair of muppets. <laughs> That's so cute.
1: <laughs> Very so, cute. so that's the key to long-term relationship. Don't press play while
0: the toys. <laughs> Don't watch ahead in a series. That exactly, is very, very bad behaviour. That I think it's important to say. Do sign up to the newsletter. We're going to share these photographs on the newsletter. I'm wearing a Chanel belt as a necklace, and it was so heavy. That the next morning I woke up with whiplash. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. She's spinning around well, the dance floor. Yeah, my darling, that's you. <laughs> now I'm not sure what's going on with my outfit here. Very, very oh. little.
1: <laughs>
0: I think that might have been uh, a.
1: It was on Island, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's me wearing probably my most revealing outfit ever. Um and again her burn up for hat the Sign letter. Letter if you want to see my <laughs> boots. Her birthday
1: hat and her birthday suit.
0: Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we had some good nights today, am I? So I
1: think overall, looking at those pictures, we can say the key to our relationship is trust and fun.
0: Trust and fun. Yeah. Tri fun. Tri fun. fun. And so what are we gonna put on our t shirt then? Post. Post. <laughs> trust me, but have fun doing it. Yeah. I, Here's I, to the next fourteen.
1: ah uh, I love you. I love you too. I like you <laughs> yes,
0: <please. laughs> the Len and Courtney
1: podcast is an exceed potential production episodes are produced by EOMD productions follow at Len and
0: Courtney on all social media platforms for the latest news and updates new episodes are released every Thursday